Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Join me right now, Dr. John Pinero, Director of Research at the Acton Institute for the Study of Religion and Liberty. John's the author of books and articles on the early American Republic, including the award-winning Missionaries of Republicanism, A Religious History of the Mexican-American War, and a wonderful little book uh, called The American Experiment in Ordered Liberty. You can follow his work at acton.org. John, thanks for joining me again. It's a pleasure, Al. Let's uh, let's talk about a problem that's been a debate that's been happening in Catholic circles. Um, there are some Catholics who, looking at the kind of uh, abortion-minded America, pornography-minded America, uh, America's baptism of uh, homosexual marriage, uh, say that the American experiment in ordered liberty uh, has failed. And they would go go so far as to say it can be traced back to the classical liberalism of America's founders and that the seeds of America's destruction were there in the very beginning of America. They, in contrast, would argue that uh, there needs to be some sort of new arrangement between church and state. I'm not sure exactly how that would play out, but there seems to be this idea that there ought to be uh, greater integration of the spiritual and the temporal uh, leadership of the country. Now, could you unpack that for us? Sure. I, well, I'll start off by saying, I, you know, I was on a plane today, and uh, I was reading this little book I picked up uh, on the place of Gilbert Chesterton in English Letters by Hilaire Belloc, and he's writing about his friend. And one of the things he said about Chesterton which I think should be the goal of all Catholics of goodwill in this, in this controversy, is that uh, Chesterton Belloc said, approach controversy, which was his delight, but he hardly ever approached it as, as a conflict, always <laughs> as an appreciation, including of his opponents, because truth is, truth is the, the goal. And Amen. That, you know, this, this is at least what I tried to do in my recent uh, Liberalism in Leo Thirteenth article on, on public discourse, is I've always tried, having worked at a Dominican college for so many years before coming to the Acton Institute, uh, to, to put that pursuit of truth forward. Amen. And if you want to argue, then, then let's argue. But as I heard Joseph Pierce say once, that doesn't have to turn into a quarrel. Right. So when it, when it comes to the integralists, then, uh, the integralists are those who, as you say, and this would include, this would not necessarily include, but fellow travelers with folks who would self-style themselves as post-liberals, or national conservatives, and in some degree, in varying degrees, they have, as you said, criticized the founding as not just flawed, but fatally flawed, mm, okay. and ideologically flawed. And the, the flaw is this radical, individualist anthropology that they call uh, liberalism. Now, this liberalism, I, I would agree with uh, everybody from uh, Edmund Burke, who called it one of the loosest terms in the world, <laughs> or uh, Christopher Dawson, who yeah. said something very similar, yep. saying of liberalism, there's, there's no word, not even democracy, Dawson said, that's been used so loosely to cover such divergent things. <laughs> so to give you a sense of what they're calling liberalism, which I would reject too, uh, they, they would start usually with, uh, with Pope Leo, known, known best for Rerum Navarum, but he wrote, uh, well, tons of encyclicals. And it, generally speaking, uh, the integralists looked at Leo 
because Leo gives them what they think ought to be the proper relationship between church and state. Now, a separation of church and state, or even let's just use the phrase religious liberty, was controversial in Catholic circles in the 19th century, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it, was, it was approved in, uh, at uh, Vatican II, at the Second Vatican Council, and in part because of the, the long history that passed between the 19th century when there were confessional Catholic states and the Pope was a prisoner of the Vatican, and the, the Church put its trust in cozying up with governments, and usually the Church lost when the government lost. Yeah. I mean, we see that in revolution after revolution in right. the 19th century. And so the, the liberalism that Leo tended to talk about, he said, look, the, the state must cooperate with the Church in order that the human person can reach his true end, which is to know, love, and serve God. So under the Church's direction, the state would have to curtail certain liberties, and he mentions things like religious liberty, economic freedom, political freedom. And I think uh, when the integralists read that, it's a plausible reading, uh, but what they then do is universalize Leo's teaching beyond the late 19th century. And I think I think my approach as an historian is to say, well, look, what, what exactly is Leo condemning? Exactly. And is the thing that he's condemning, does it still exist? And does it really have its roots in these, I mean, these are in the 1770s and the 1780s. There's readings you can give of some founders that would be very, very Enlightenment and Lockean, and there's, there's other founders who were highly Christian, and there's others in between. And then there's that, uh, that argument, which I find very compelling, by Russell Kirk and others that just show how how the American experiment in ordered liberty grew over time and wasn't this uh, ideology that somebody pulled from the pages of a book like a, a blueprint right. uh, at, at the Constitutional Convention. And I, I, think, I think that's where they, they go wrong, this overly theoretical approach. Yeah. And so what... I mean, the, what the cultural conditions is, is were quite not, different. Not contextualize ourselves out of... You know, contextualize ourselves to these words mean nothing, but we have to realize that what Leo is calling liberalism might not be the liberalism the post-liberals are talking about. It might not be the liberalism that anybody would use that positively yeah. is talking about. The questions of 1891 are different than the questions we have uh, today. Uh, the, the, the condition of labor is different. The condition of capital is different. Understanding of individual rights is different. Um, what do they do with John Paul II's uh, Centissimus Annus, which, you know, was written on the 100th anniversary of um, uh, Leo XIII's Rerum Novarum, and generally is thought to be more favorable to at least um, free markets? Uh, John Paul, I mean, so it's it's good to bring up uh, St. John Paul here, because what what Leo was able to do is kind of, you know, he theorized, and he did condemn state socialism, because he said to take away private property, people need private property. That's a, that's a, a fundamental good. Yep. Uh, but, but he, you know, there hadn't been a major communist revolution yet that was successful. Right. And so he's theorizing, and he's kind of predicting, and Lo and behold, the, the 20th century kind of proves him right, of course, with mm-hmm. the bloody history of communism around the world. And in a very different time than 100 years later, here, here's John Paul, and he's writing uh, yet another papal observation of Rerum Navarum, uh, observing an anniversary, and he's, he's much more positive. He even uses terms like capitalism positively in Chintessi Yeah. 
Uh, But what he's saying is democracy and freedom go together and that subsidiarity and solidarity are actually linked. Mm -hmm. And that uh, he says some things that Leo actually said, and I think this is why we need to go back and read Leo and not cherry-pick quotations Mm -hmm. that serve to prove our point one way or the other. That's, That's not how we arrive at truth. That's how we operate on Twitter. (laughs) <laughs> that's not how we ought to do it as uh, scholars and as, as faithful Catholics. Because Leo says, look, if liberty means license, the, then I condemn it. Right. And John Paul's not going to disagree with that. Right. But if liberty means these things, then you know we can work with that because liberty's a good. He calls it one of the highest of our natural endowments, Leo does. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm curious, when the, the, these Catholic integralists or these critics— of classical liberalism, or the liberalism of the uh, America's founders, what do they propose? It, it's you know, it's one thing to say something's gone wrong; it's another thing to say you've got a solution for it. Do they have? Is there a place where this is? Where the there have they ever seen a proper relationship between the spiritual and the temporal order between? state in the church where would they point us you you've asked two very good questions what what are they recommended is, is there actually a place in time that they can point to and say that's perfect and i i would argue that pointing to a perfect place in time when that time no longer is that that's really what ideologues do that's what utopians do yeah and we we can't turn back the clock right Right. And the the church has never done that. And what worked in the 19th century, the 13th century, for a variety of reasons, isn't going to work right. now. Would they point to anything? Some of them might point to the 13th century. Some might point to the crown and altar uh, of the 19th century. But uh, you know, there's. I, I think we want to step back and ask ourselves why, even in the kind of Protestant country that the United States was, and that I, I detailed the. The, the, the strong anti-Catholicism in American history and, and my uh, uh, missionaries of republicanism. Yeah, right. even, even in the United States, so if you take a look at Europe today and Catholics and church going and the state of the church there, particularly in, in, in Germany, of course, but that's among the bishops there. Yeah. And if you take a look at that, what a contrast. I mean, Alexis de Tocqueville noticed this in the 1830s. People noticed it in the 20th century. Why, why was American Catholicism so vibrant in the 20th century as it was dying in Europe? Yeah. And in Europe, these had all been, of course, formerly confessional states. Right. And the United States had not been. It's, it's worth asking. Yeah. Uh, John Paul used to call it, say that the, uh, the Church proposes, it doesn't impose. And I think in the end, in the end, we're talking about coercing morality if we really go for an integral state. Yeah. That's... Leo does say we have to... We have to uh, prod and promote the right thing to do, but he he doesn't say ever explicitly that that that's exactly the state's job. Yeah, yeah. No. As opposed to the church's. No, that, that makes sense to me. Uh, what? Why not? Why not just take the approach that uh, something's gone wrong with uh, the American development, and uh, so liberty has been. Uh, redefined as license, and what we need to be doing is working to restore uh, a, a more um, 
a deeper an understanding of liberty more consonant with the founders who talked about a virtue a republic of virtue yeah but so yeah why throw the baby out with the bath water <laughs> right. it, it, in other words yeah that's uh, the, right. i will i will say this is the integralists are they're very good at identifying the problems we now face or the the challenges you know and it, it's the same kind of thing leo does look uh, you know if the people aren't just and virtuous then liberty he says becomes pernicious yeah and i think that's you know that's a legitimate concern now as you say you see liberty being used for license you see liberty i can even liberate myself from biology (laughs) yeah from from nature and uh, yeah john thank you again wonderful talking with you and uh i hope we talk again soon it's a pleasure al thank you (laughs) Dr. John Pinero is Director of Research at the Acton Institute for the Study of Religion and Liberty.